Welcome to the City Podcast, a ministry of Ambassadors Church in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website at wearethecity.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you are blessed by today's word. I don't know if you realize, but we've been on No Invisible People since the beginning of November. Uh, I've talked through the stories of, of several people at this point. Uh, we've talked on the, the um, poor widow with two copper coins. We've talked about the Syrophoenician woman judged by where she came from. We talked about the older son in the story of the prodigal son. And last Sunday, we started talking about Joseph, the father of Christ. And, and, and I don't know what happened to the time last Sunday. It just seemed like it completely got away from us. We, we ended up winding down first service around 1020. And I looked at the clock, and it was already 1025, and I was on page two of my notes. It was, it was absolutely ridiculous. But, but I want to encourage, so I'm continuing what we talked on last week, and we're going to end it here. Uh, we're going to end this series this morning. But, uh, but I wanted to, once again, bring us back to the story of Joseph, uh, the father of Jesus, a, a man who is oftentimes not ignored, but I think underappreciated when it comes to the story of Christ and his birth. We usually think about, you know, the Virgin Mary. We even pay a lot of attention to the, the kings or the shepherds. Uh, but the story of Joseph is quite interesting because he doesn't get a lot of airtime when it comes to the story of the nativity or the story of Christmas. But I think he played a pivotal role in not only the birth narrative of Christ, but the, the life story of Jesus. And so if you have your Bibles, if you could open back up to the book of Matthew uh, chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. I'm going to reread it this morning. And uh, as a disclaimer, there's going to be a little bit of overlap from last week because I really want to re-emphasize a couple of points. And so I'm not repeating myself just for the sake of being redundant, but I really am repeating myself for emphasis this morning. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus, the word of the Lord. Let's pray this morning. God, we love you. We thank you for how good you are. Thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, that we can come together as the family of God around the word of God. So Lord, would you speak to us this morning, God? Would you enliven our spirits and, and get us excited, Lord? And, and Father, I ask in Jesus' name that all that we say and do would give you praise today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to also just recognize Stephen is back in the house from basic training. So good to have him back home with us and back at church. We, we prayed for him, sending him off to, to basic, and it's so good to see you back home, buddy. Uh, it's so good to have you back uh, in the fold and back uh, with us worshiping. Um, 
Do you agree that there are some basic rules to texting? Look, my mom's not in the house this morning, and she's my main shout corner, so I need you all to take the energy up like five notches. Huh? Exactly. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate it. Uh, Because my mom is my, you can hear her on the recording. So do you agree that there are some rules, there are some rules to texting? There's some etiquette that, that you got to just abide by when you are uh, exchanging texts with any, any of y'all just bad at responding. So somebody texts you and it's nothing personal. Uh, you just text five days late. You know, that's just, it's just what happens. Any of you are multiple texters. What I mean by that is you don't say what you need to say in one text. You say, hello, how are you? I have a question. Here's the question. Here's why I asked the question. That's Xavier. No, no offense to Xavier, but that's just, he sends me like, boom, 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 boom. I'm like, that could have all been one thing. And if you had been on an iPhone, it would have all been in one beautiful blue bubble. But now I have like a bunch of green texts. And, and uh, does green texts bother any iPhone users in the house? Man, I don't know what it is about green text. I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like it's chopped up. I feel like an image didn't come through. Like, I just feel like so much is going on with green messages. But, but bless you, bless you, and bless you for the next one. Um, I, I just feel like, man, like, what's going on with, with green texts? Like, like, can't we all just get with the program? Uh, but Android users in the house, y'all, y'all just have, I don't know, some passion for, for that. Uh, but there's nothing better than a big group text where everyone's iPhone, right? Man, and then you need to add that one friend who's Android, and you're like, no, I'll just text them separate. Like, I'll just text them separate because I don't want to mess, mess up the flow. I looked up some texting etiquette. And uh, there's actually articles about tech, the rules of texting. And it says, number one, you didn't get a reply. It's okay. Chill out. Like, I am one of those people where if I don't get a response, uh, then I feel like that person's angry with me. But if I haven't responded, I'm totally cool with it. Like, I can be the one that doesn't respond, but they can't be the one that don't, don't respond. Does anybody get, like, super tragic-minded when they don't respond after about an hour? You start rereading what you wrote. Like, was my tone okay? Like, did I include enough emojis, right? Like, and, and I just put praying hands. Praying hands is Shane's standard. It can be, like... Happy Sunday, praying hands. It can be happy Thursday afternoon, praying hands. I just put praying hands for everything. Uh, don't text a novel is number two. Uh, I don't, I, anybody text novels like you just write, 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 Okay, there you go. The, the, the sneezing man texts novels, okay. Uh, Natalie, you text novels, all right. I, I feel, okay, uh, number three, don't call in response to a text. It's a rule of texting. Is that up for debate? I don't know. Like, what if you're driving? You know what I mean? That's the, that's the exception. So there's an exception to the, to the rule. Uh, number four, triple check who you're texting. That should be number one on every list. I have literally fallen into a state of migraine after texting somebody the wrong text. Literally, quite literally, like sick. Uh, And it's not like I'm texting anything terrible, um, but it's just uncomfortable. And then have you ever mistakenly texted somebody, but it's like, I don't care what I said to them. It's it's totally fine. Like, I'm so glad it's you that I texted wrong. Um, Yeah, we just need a triple check, quadruple check, quintuple check, sextuple check. Just check, 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 check. This is the one that 
uh, that I really want to, 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 to emphasize here. This is where the sermon is. Respond proportionally. What that means is, if you receive a paragraph, you can't send one word. You know what I mean? You've poured out your heart, your soul. You've spell-checked your text. You've grammar-checked it. You've inserted commas and semicolons. You've gotten fancy with it, hyphens. And the person responds, K. K. If my wife texts me K, not a good day in the Lima household. Now, if I'm getting kissy faces and heart eyes, it's a good day in the Lima household. Hearts, the heart with the spinning heart around it, that, 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 that's a good day in the Lima household. But when, when Alini responds, okay, K, K Shane, I get a chill when she says Shane. Because she never calls me Shane. I've never heard her call me Shane until, unless she's, unless she's, it's always sweetheart, sweetheart. So when it's sweetheart, okay, it's a good day. Shane, it's going down. It's going down. It's going, it's going down. And then when she's talking ministry and she says, Pastor Shane, oh, I don't feel the honor or the respect in it. <laughs> it's not honorable. <laughs> oh, no. But it's so weird how we can sometimes, have you ever felt like your prayers are like this super long text to God and then God responds, okay. It's like, oh my goodness, I fasted, I've prayed, I've gone to church. I showed up at 8.45 for a 9 a.m. service, God. Miracles. I have served, I've gone to, someone said never happened. <laughs> I've served, I've volunteered, I've done everything. I, God, I've fasted, I have, and, and, and I love food, like, God, I'm off social media. I've, I've done it all. I've prayed. I've cried out. I've, I've worshipped. I've read. I've read books. I've read chapters of the Bible, God. I've, I've done my best here. I'm crying out to you. And you feel like God says, okay, no emoji. No, 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 no nothing. No joy of the Lord is my strength. No peace that surpasses all understanding. No Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Just K. Yes, no, maybe, no, just, I heard you. You know, maybe it breaks the rule of texting, but it doesn't break the rule of how God communicates. Sometimes all you need is one word. Sometimes you don't need God to start running a, a, a running commentary because he already has reminded you of what he has already said. What God adds on to this sometimes is simply one word. Joseph was in a situation where I can imagine the turmoil where his, his fiance, his beautiful, young, virgin fiance is now pregnant with a baby from the Holy Spirit. And I put that in quotes because I'm taking the position of Joseph here. It's like, how unbelievable, how out of this world is this kind of claim, Mary? Like, you couldn't have come up with a better story. Pregnant by the Holy Spirit, for real. And, and so he's in turmoil uh, over this entire 
story, this entire scenario, and, and I just feel like, man, if Joseph were Shane, Shane would be having like a nervous anxiety breakdown moment where it's like, everything that I've planned, God, is out the window. Like, I have been faithful. I have been firm. I have loved Mary. I'm planning on getting married to her, and now she's over here pregnant with a baby from the Holy Spirit. What even is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? What's going on with the Spirit? Like, like, like what's happening? And, and he goes to bed that night, and God gives him one word. One word. I want to remind a couple of people who maybe feel like you're in the situation that Joseph's in, where things are not as you wish they had been or wish they were or wish they would be, and and your life seems to be kind of flipped upside down at the moment, or maybe you're feeling a frustration at work where you feel like nothing is lining up for you, or frustration in your relationship where where you're kind of putting in the work, but you're not feeling like it's reciprocal, and so it feels like kind of a one-way relationship or a marriage where you're laboring to keep that marriage together, but you feel like it's a lopsided marriage where no effort's being put in on the other end. And, and, or maybe you face the sudden pain of loss, any kind of loss, whether that be vocational loss, educational loss, or, or, a, or a family member, or maybe you've gotten some kind of a diagnosis recently where you feel overwhelmed by the prognosis of what may or may not happen. You know what? Sometimes God doesn't need to give us a laundry list of what he has already promised. It's already here. Sometimes we need just one word from the Father, and one word changes everything. One word can change everything. For any of you that are married, you know when a fight is over, when the one word that needed to be said is said. I know it's over when she smiles. I'm like, all right, ice broken. It's done. Whether that be an I'm sorry, whether that be a you're right, sweetheart, whether that be an I love you, one word. And I dare say to you this morning, don't get quiet on me, ambassadors, that one word from the Father is enough to change your perspective. Sometimes I think we're making demands of God like he is the genie in the bottle. We're expecting him to grant our three wishes, turn everything around so that we can go to church, raise our hands and say, God delivered us. But what if deliverance is one word? What if deliverance does not look as if everything that you had been praying would happen happens and then you can come and give a testimony of how God changed things. But what if deliverance looks like frustration? What if deliverance looks like you, your faith being tested? What if deliverance looks like one word? A lot of times we think deliverance is an anointing service, a, a oil on the head deliverance service. We can cast stuff out, but sometimes deliverance is one word from God. And the one word comes about through many different ways. Have you ever noticed how God speaks? I I said this last week, but I say it again. We have some newer faces in the room that weren't here last Sunday. God speaks in a multitude of ways. God speaks through secondhand revelation like this moment where a sermon is being preached to you and you're listening to it. God is speaking to you right now. God can speak to you on the highway, passing by a random billboard. Usually not those Christian ones that are like, you're going to hell. Call this number to prevent that. Not not those. I wish we could put a billboard over those billboards because I think love compels way more than hate does. And that stuff just turns me off. You're going to hell. Call us to stop that or whatever it says. Mind-blowing, not in a good way. God speaks to us. I I don't know if I told you this story, but when I was going through depression at 22, I was desperate for a sign from God. 
desperate. I mean, I needed God to speak to me like ASAP. So I started making like crazy claims. If I get a text right now from this person, then God is with me. And I just started making all sorts of crazy tests to see if God was going to speak to me. Then one day I was at the bottom of my, like, if you've ever faced any kind of depression, you know how, what a deep pit it feels like. And I was on the highway and I was driving up to seminary an hour and a half each way every day. And, and I said, God, if you're with me, and if you've heard this story, hear it again. If you're with me, make a bird fly over the highway. That's all I wanted, a bird. Doesn't need to be a dove. I'll take a dirty pigeon. Like, I will take <laughs> anything at this point. And I kid you not, less than a half mile later, those entire flocks of birds that fly south in the winter were flying right over my highway. Do you know what I think every time I see a bird now? I'm reminded that God is with me. It's a bird. I don't care if it's an eagle or a pigeon. It's a bird. And that bird is a reminder that God is with, God speaks to us in dreams. Some, some dreams are scary. Like that better never come true. Other dreams, I think, some dreams are like, because you ate something at night and things just kind of roll out that way. You take any melatonin combination, things just kind of, I've heard bananas make you weird during the night. But some dreams are the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And I think the gift of dreams is for certain people. I don't think it's for everybody. Joseph had this gift. I, there are certain people that God wants to speak to you through dreams because he knows that you're sensitive in that area. So for some of you, God speaks to you deeply through music. And it doesn't even have to be worship music. Just music transmits the presence of God to you. There's something divine about music. Chords. There's something spiritual about just music. And for those of you that play an instrument, those moments where you're just playing and you're not saying anything and God's just speaking to you. You don't even have to put lyrics to it, but the presence of God is all over those chords. Man, I wish I played an instrument so I could just do that. Man, when I hear Sam play, I feel the presence of God in it. When, when I see our musicians playing worship, God speaks to me, whether there's any worship team up here singing any lyric or not, music speaks. If, if music is your thing, you need to surround your life with music that, that reminds you of God's presence. If dreams, you feel like dreams are your thing, you need to pay special, start a journal of your dreams. Make a note of what you ate the night before, though. <laughs> Date, meal, dream. And just start making a note of what's going on because I, maybe God, what if there's a recurring theme that's happening in your dream that God's trying to speak to you about? You might miss it if you don't write it down. I can forget a dream three minutes after I wake up. Sometimes I wake up, I'm like, I will never forget that dream. I take a shower, forgot the dream. <laughs> Tell me not. Frustrating, man. Start a journal. God speaks through podcasts and books. Pastor Manny taught me leaders are readers. Ever since he told me that, 
I feel so convicted to read. When I'm not reading, I feel like I'm not a leader anymore. <laughs> so I just finished that book, Charles Stanley, Wonderful Spirit-Filled Life. Now I'm on to the circle maker about pray, uh, changing the way we pray. I want to encourage you, if reading is your thing, read. If reading is not your thing, get audible. Start putting on audiobooks. God speaks through that. God's, God speaks through friendships. When you have spirit-filled friends, any conversation can lead to a word that God's trying to give you. Sometimes it doesn't need to be you guys cracking open the Bible, dissecting Deuteronomy 3. It can just be, it can just be you guys talking about life and joy and laughter. And God can speak through those. God speaks through meals. That's why it was the Last Supper, right? God, Jesus needed to give the disciples the worst news ever that he was about to die. Why did he do it over a meal? To soften the blow. Let's drink and eat and be merry. By the way, I'm about to die this weekend, but let's, <laughs> let's drink. <laughs> Meals make things better. I want to just remind you, God is speaking all the time. The question is not whether God is speaking. The question is, are we listening? How we can tell if we're listening is if we're teachable. Are we changing? Whenever God speaks, something changes. Notice. Every time in the scripture, whenever God spoke, something had to change. So the best way you can see if you're really listening is, are things changing? And sometimes spiritual change is unconscious change, where you're just in the presence and you start seeing, oh my goodness, life looks a little bit different now than it did six months ago. It's not like I want, I'm going to, God, I'm about to change. No, it's just, I'm in the presence. I'm, I'm doing, I'm walking the journey. And as we walk the journey with the spirit, he begins to change us. Almost like we've surrendered to his process and now he's just doing it through us. Oh my goodness, I could have lost my patience there. Look how patient I just was. Good job. It's not good job, Shane. It's good job, Holy Spirit. You're changing me. I could have lost my temper just there, but I didn't. I could have cussed that person out when they caught me off on the highway, but I didn't. Sometimes it's not you choosing it. It's just the Holy Spirit working on the inside of you. Have you ever just realized, man, it's like when you're in love and you start making sacrifices for that person. It's like, what changed? What changed is that you're in love with that person. Same thing happens when you're in love with God and with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's on the inside of you. Things start changing beyond your own control. You're like, wow, this feels, it feels good to not be angry. It feels better to not be angry than it felt when I was angry. And I thought, and I thought feeling angry felt good when I proved my point. Being controlled by the Spirit feels better. God is speaking to you, church. He's speaking to you right now in this moment. Maybe I'm just the alarm clock today, literally waking you up on a Sunday morning, helping you to realize that God is speaking to you every single day of the week, not just Sunday morning at 9 and 11, 15, but throughout your week, God is speaking through the, and I want you to begin noticing God in the small details of your life. Stop trying to compartmentalize God to an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. God is speaking to you Monday through Sunday. He's speaking to you on the highway, in your cubicle, with that boss that you have, in that relationship that you're in, on that date, on, with that circle of friends, on the highway, in the train, coming from Boston to Rhode Island and back to Boston. God is speaking to you. And when you get one word from the Father, it doesn't change the circumstance. It changes your perspective. 
Mary was still pregnant with a baby from the Holy Spirit when Joseph woke up from that dream. The difference was not the circumstance. The difference was the perspective. What changed the perspective was the one word from God. Here's the thing. Son of God, daughter of God. God is not out to change your circumstance. He is out to change your perspective. Because when he changes your perspective, he will change your attitude. And when the attitude is shifted, all of a sudden you will be submitted to the process that God is taking you on. You don't need a deliverance service with oil and this, that, the other. What you need is one word. And maybe that one word is this word to you this morning that God is speaking. Are you listening? Is this meaning anything to anybody this morning? I want to just take this nice and easy and slow, no sweat, no, no screaming. I just want to remind you today that God is speaking to you. I'm so grateful that I serve a living God. I don't serve a Buddha sitting on a counter at a nail salon with bagels around them. I serve a living God. Yeah, right? The bagels, that just blows my mind. Hot cocoa sitting around the Buddha. I serve a living God. I don't serve a God who's dead. I serve a God who's alive and active. He's changing stuff. He's doing miracles. He's setting people free. The question is not, has God changed? No, the question is, have we not activated our faith in the same God of the Bible? Sometimes I'm reading the description like Moses, Israelites through the Red Sea, lepers healed, demons cast out, dead people rising. God has not changed. We need to increase our faith in this God who is still a miracle-working, life-saving, destiny-altering, soul-securing God. Man, we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a gift that those people in the Bible did not have. Until after the resurrection, they didn't have that power on the inside of them. What, me, what that means is like, man, I have the power that rose Christ from the grave living on the inside of me. God is speaking to me. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, God will use your mouth to speak his word to other people. So you need to loosen your lips to declare God's word. Don't be ashamed of what the, the story that you have. Don't be ashamed or quiet about the miracles that God has done in your life. The fact is that maybe the one word someone else needs to hear is the one word you have hidden in your heart. How crazy would it be if God has given you a word, but you're too fearful to let it loose? How crazy, how sad would it be that God has given you a word to speak? God has given you a voice to speak it, but we cower in fear for whatever reason, fear of disapproval or fear of judgment or fear of being misunderstood, but, but God has given you a word. I, I want to speak to the person in here who has felt timid about raising your voice. Raise your voice in Jesus' name. Let's raise our voice with an amen on that. Amen. Raise your voice, woman of God. God has given you, man, I believe that God wants to raise up a generation of women, women of God, that will radically transform a generation. Woman, lift up your voice. You're filled with the Spirit. You're beautiful. You're powerful. You're anointed. You're set free. You're, 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 you're totally capable. There is nothing holding you back. God's Spirit is on you. Lift up your voice. But men of God, lift up your voice. Because there is something powerful about a submitted man to the power of God. Let us never think that because women raise up, that means we have to cower back. Men of God, rise up. 
God is speaking to you as he spoke to Joseph, but are we listening to the voice of the Father or are we too distracted by the voices around us, men? Oh, no, I don't listen to nobody. Yeah, you do. Are you listening? Man, I want to be a man so sensitive to the voice of God that when God speaks, I know it's him. When when he gives me a, and that's, man, I've, I've started tra- creating this discipline. Man, this may have to go another week. I don't know. The, 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 I've, I've started creating this discipline where, like, a story happens, like a turkey is fried with my in-laws, and I see a sermon. It's a crazy thing that's happening to me. It's like, there's the sermon. And it's like the Lord has constantly given me a word. So every Sunday when y'all come in here, it's like, what's the story for today? Because God is always speaking. And what I love is that no matter what happens, turkey is fried. There's a scripture to back it up. There's a, all of my childhood stories, there's a scripture to back it up. There's something that God is saying through everything. The problem is our discernment of what the spirit is saying to us all the time. Is this meaning anything to anybody? God is speaking, but are you listening? So Joseph awoke from that dream, and, 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 and the Lord had given him one word, and one word changes everything. This is, this is what happened. So Joseph was considering divorcing Mary because of public perception or whatever. And so I'm, not to shame her, I'm just going to back off this situation. But, um, but the one word from the Father was enough to, to switch his perspective. Because when God affirms you, you need no one else's affirmation. The whole story changes, not because everybody agreed. All right, Mary's pregnant with the Holy Spirit. Word. This sounds good. Not everybody said that. God said it. And when God says it, it changes our perspective. And we, don't know, we no longer need the affirmation of people because we have had one word from God. God's okay is better than a million words from all the people that are surrounding you right now. So Joseph did not need to round up his family and be like, all right, here's the deal. Mary's pregnant, not my kid. It's the Holy Spirit's kid. We really need everybody to be on board so that we can bring God into this world and save humanity. We didn't need a board meeting to make this happen. We don't need committees. We don't need bureaucracy, red tape. Nobody needs to vote on it. God's on the way, whether they agreed or not. Because God's plan is God's plan, whether everybody buys into it or not. What you need is affirmation from the Father. Once you have received peace from the Lord, you don't need the approval of man. Can I get an amen this morning? Bro, when God gives you a word, it's sufficient. It's sufficient. It is enough. It doesn't matter if everybody agrees, because everybody always has something to say about everything. Everybody got an opinion. Everybody's watch any men watching any sports games, and everybody will all of a sudden have an opinion about what should have been done. For for me, who's not even into sports, I'm always like, "Who are you <laughs> to discern what they are doing?" Only the people on the field. It's a word. Only the people on the field that have trained and are playing can make a decision about what needs to be done. People that haven't trained and are sitting on their couches eating wings <laughs> cannot discern what needs to be done. Because until you're in a high-pressure high environment, 
you don't know what you would do. You don't know what you would do. You're sitting eating wings. I love me some good wings, though. (laughs) Wings over Providence on Hope Street. Check it out. But it's incredible. Bro, I want to free you from, from, from public perception. When God has spoken to you, hold on to that word with all of your strength. And when people start being like, oh, you're just like, well, you do you, I'm going to do me, and we'll see what happens in the end. It's all good. I don't need to try to prove, be like, nah, but God told me this, and here's the scripture that confirmed it, and here's the podcast that affirmed it, and here's the this. Obedience is the proof of submission. It says that Joseph awoke from the dream and did as the Lord had spoken to him. Some of us are trying to, nah, but God said, no, obey. When you obey, the results will be as God has said it would be. And every mouth that spoke against the word of God will be silenced because the results will speak for themselves. The proof of intimacy with the Father is not you trying to manufacture this thing where everybody's going to agree and the board approved and the committees are on your... No, the best proof of of, of, of intimacy is obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice, Bible says. That's the Bible's way of saying, we don't need to try to prove it. We just got to be submitted. So Joseph awoke from that dream and did as the Lord had spoken. And here's the thing. But it said, he knew her not until the baby Jesus was born. You know what that means? He knew her not. That means they didn't sleep together until Jesus was born. That's the Bible's way of putting it light. Because sometimes the next step is waiting. Sometimes the next step, and I'm, not ta- and, and I'm going beyond a sexual relationship right now. I'm talking about the next step in whatever your blank may be in life. Sometimes the next step after your, after your one word from God is a season of waiting. Sometimes obedience looks like a lot of waiting. It's not me doing anything. It's just me waiting a little bit longer. But the thing that will sustain me in the waiting is the one word that I just got. Even though I'm not seeing results, one word is enough. I'm going to keep doing this until you get this point. Because sometimes we're like, all right, God, you gave me a word. Let's make power moves. Nope. Sometimes the power move is you stopping, waiting, being submitted. And you're like, but God, this is frustrating. When you're frustrated, hold on to the one word. Look back at that journal where you wrote down that dream that God gave you on that night. Because that will sustain you when your feelings aren't sustaining you anymore. Some of us are like, wow, I'm I'm on such a spiritual high. I will never, I'm on fire for Christ. But then the feeling of being on fire for Christ burns out when you need to wake up at 6.30 to be here for an 8 o'clock rehearsal on Sunday. You're not feeling on fire for Christ. You go back to that journal and you read God's word about the calling that he has placed on your life. And what you have written and what God has written will sustain you when your feelings will no longer sustain you. If this is powerful for anybody, can you say an amen? amen? Let me know that God is speaking to you, church. Come on. God is speaking. God is speaking to you, and he has a word for you. And so, man, if he did it for Joseph, I serve the same God that's going to speak to me today. What you need is a word from God, not a word from Shane, not a word from Mike Todd, not a word from Stephen Furtick. You need a word from the Father. 
Need a word from him. Because when he says it, it settles it. And then you receive that peace that surpasses all understanding. That means my circumstance hasn't changed, but the peace has overwhelmed me to the point where I am totally at ease with waiting, even though nothing has changed in my circumstance. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding, in Shane's version of that scripture, that's the peace of God that makes no sense. That means you're feeling peace when it makes no sense to have peace. That means you're chilling and worshiping with your arms high, heart abandoned when you just lost your job. That means you're chilling in the middle of that breakup. That means you're totally cool during that diagnosis because it's the peace of God that doesn't make sense. The world says, let your circumstances dictate your peace. God says, let your peace dictate how you see your circumstance. Today, let the story of Joseph speak to you. He is not an invisible figure. He is somebody that God spoke to clearly. And Joseph doesn't have a lot of airtime in the story. And you know what? He didn't need it. Because the role that he played in forming the man that was born, Jesus, far outlasted Joseph's own life. The legacy that you will leave is far greater than the decisions even that you make. So church, if I were to sum up the big idea this morning, is that God is speaking to you right this very moment. Right now. And I'm just an imperfect vessel to give you this word. And sometimes, you know, I get up to preach on Sunday and I tell God, Lord, I need this word even more than they do. Because I have my seasons where I'm like, is God speaking to me anymore? And the answer will always be a resounding yes, because God is never silent. If you needed this word, could you just stand with me this morning? all across this sanctuary.